Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for being here today, my precious, precious people, my friends, my listeners. I'm so grateful for you. First, your weather report. It's a beautiful, sunny, sunny day here in New York, and I'm going to be doing a bit more hauling of boxes and stuff over to my storage space. I've been looking through a lot of things and uh, experiencing a lot of nostalgia and teetering on the edge of grief in terms of leaving a lot of things. I'm having beautiful, quiet moments with friends and my precious son, and I haven't seen my daughter in a while. Gotta go look her up. So I've been rereading books that will bolster my courage and resolve. So I was this morning rereading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which I think I've mentioned a while ago. In the chapter on mini-retirements, there's this wonderful story, which I'm going to read to you verbatim. Thank you, Tim Ferriss. An American businessman took a vacation to a small coastal Mexican village on doctor's orders. Unable to sleep, after an urgent phone call from the office first thing in the morning, he walked out onto a pier to clear his head. A small boat with just one fisherman had docked, and inside the boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish. How long did it take you to catch them? The American asked. Only a little while, the Mexican replied in surprisingly good English. Why don't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The American then asked. I have enough to support my family and give a few to friends, the Mexican said as he unloaded them into a basket. But what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican looked up and smiled. I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, Julia, and stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The American laughed and stood tall. Sir, I am a Harvard MBA and I can help you. You should spend more time fishing, and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. In no time, you could buy several boats with the increased haul. Eventually, you would have a fleet of fishing boats. He continued, Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the consumers, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the product, processing, and distribution. You would need to leave this small coastal village, of course, and move to Mexico City, then to Los Angeles, and eventually to New York, where you could run your expanding enterprise with proper management. The Mexican fisherman asked, But, senor, how long will all this take? To which the American replied, Fifteen to twenty years, twenty-five tops. But what then, senor? The American laughed and said, well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. Millions, senor? Then what? Then you would retire and move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife and stroll to the village in the evenings where you would sip wine and 
play your guitar with your amigos. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So part of me thinks, shit, I'm doing this too late. But no, there's no too late. But maybe if I inspire some of you to do it a little earlier, that would be awesome. Awesome. Do it. And he goes on to say another friend of his talked about, oh, I'm going to make millions and, you know, three to 10 million a year and that'll be amazing. And he was like, well, what do you do with that? And he said, I'm going to take a long trip to Thailand. P.S. A long trip to Thailand for like three months is going to cost you three grand. Really? Really? Think about it. Plan a little time for yourself and explore this idea of I could maybe make this work and take a little more time for me and see more of this incredible world that I'm missing otherwise. So on that note, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the most expensive flight I have ever been on in my entire life. And it was not properly enjoyed and appreciated because it was in crisis. So after hearing about the terrible thing that had happened to Laura, we decided to go over and be her support immediately. And the fastest way to be in Paris within hours was the Concorde. And yes, insanely extravagant. But at the time, my mom had that kind of money. Spoiler alert, she does not anymore. But at the time, Concorde was the way to go. So my aunt, my mom, and me all boarded a flight, Air France Concorde, to Paris, which would take us exactly three hours and hardly have any jet lag at all, except that we would be in different hours over there. But it's interesting that my mom doesn't remember me being there and my cousin doesn't. And, you know, that's okay because she was incredibly devastated and stressed out. So it's a weird place of this is my memory alone. And I think my aunt and my mom were sitting ahead of me in the plane. So we get into the plane and it's a tiny tube. It's a very small thing. The seats were like weird bucket office seats where you just fit in. Like forget it, no large people on this plane would survive unless they bought two seats for a grand total of $24,000. Dang, there is a lot of traffic around my house this morning. I don't know what is going on. Anyway, sorry if you hear a lot of car noises. In any case, it was, in terms of its inside appointments, not a luxury flight, but only the glittering and fancy people were on there. There was an endless stream of champagne from the moment you boarded because they're like, well, it's three hours. How much champagne can a person drink in three hours? <laughs> there were a hundred seats. And so you kind of knew you were among the elite elite of the world there in that plane. The Concorde had only been introduced to the world in 1976. So this was about 13 years later, and it was still in its high life there in the middle of its existence as a thing. Because it had, I don't know if you all remember, but the Concorde, there was a terrible crash of the Concorde in 2000 that killed absolutely everybody on board and I think another four people on the ground. So its last flight was in 2003. They decided that the fleet was getting too old because there's a lot of wear and tear at that speed, obviously. So rather than rebuild it, it was too expensive and too much. And they didn't. 
but it was quite an incredible experience because you took off in this roar and my mom described it like your lower insides were almost left behind you for a little while (laughs) until they got up and then you climbed so steeply because they were taking you zooming up to 60,000 feet above the earth where you broke through this layer to where the sky above you was black and the sky below you was still a dark blue and you could see a very big difference. And then suddenly it was much quieter. Even though you were flying at Mach 2, which was 1,350 miles per hour, and they would put that on a little flashing screen above you, we are now at 55,000 feet and Mach 2. It was crazy. So we didn't have cameras in the plane. We didn't take pictures. But I remember that there was a woman who was sitting across the aisle from me who had bought a seat for her dog. The dog was a whippet, and it was sitting in the plane just like any other human. I couldn't believe it. The extravagance of that class of people is insane. Insane. I cherish it as a memory because it was a unique experience that not everyone has had, and the opportunity to have that experience is now gone. So I think it's the closest I will ever get to riding in a rocket, for sure, not being Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. So it's very cool to have that memory. And then we arrived in Paris, and literally I was there for maybe 36 hours just enough to sit with Laura and hold her while she wept and listen to the details of the story, which were very few because it came completely out of the blue for her. But my sense has always been that since Savannah was just two weeks old and I was talking to Laura about that whole experience of being pregnant and having a baby and There was all this joy around that. Savannah was the first grandchild on all sides. So the whole family was exploding in joy. And somehow I think that Bruno must have thought, my God, if I get married, this is what happens next. And I will have children and there will be all these expectations and my life will get complicated And perhaps he just couldn't see himself there and thought, better that I disappoint everyone now than I disappoint everyone later. I don't know. I don't know what was going through his head, and nobody does. I never saw the note. Obviously, that was Laura's personal business. But it was very, very shocking. And it took Laura a while to even be able to process it and think about it, obviously. And that ghost lives on with her forever. And I'm going to leave you there because apparently my street is a veritable thoroughfare. I'm going to edit all that out, but as much as I can, but there have been 40 cars going by between the last thing that I said and now. And then there's my cat flea who is sitting outside the screen of the window that I'm looking at and he plucks at it with his claws. It is his doorbell. And he's like, let me in, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to go and let the cat in, but I will tell you more stories about 
my little infant and all of that joy tomorrow, and I'll lighten it up, I promise. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you then. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.